Section 8 of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. The Second Day. 3. Fountain and Piscina. As Pierre went off, ill at ease, mastered by invincible repugnance, unwilling to remain there any longer, he caught sight of Monsieur de Garcin kneeling near the grotto, with the absorbed air of one who is praying with his whole soul. The young priest had not seen him since the morning, and did not know whether he had managed to secure a couple of rooms in one or other of the hotels, so that his first impulse was to go and join him then however he hesitated unwilling to disturb his meditations for he was doubtless praying for his daughter whom he fondly loved in spite of the constant absent-mindedness of his volatile brain accordingly the young priest passed on and took his way under the trees nine o'clock was now striking he had a couple of hours before him by dint of money the wild bank where swine had formerly pastured had been transformed into a superb avenue skirting the gave it had been necessary to put back the river's bed in order to gain ground and lay out a monumental quay bordered by a broad footway and protected by a parapet some two or three hundred yards further on a hill brought the avenue to an end and it thus resembled an enclosed promenade provided with benches and shaded by magnificent trees nobody passed along however merely the overflow of the crowd had settled there and solitary spots still abounded between the grassy wall limiting the promenade on the south and the extensive fields spreading out northward beyond the gave as far as the wooded slopes which the white-walled convents brightened under the foliage on the margin of the running water one could enjoy delightful freshness even during the burning days of august thus pierre like a man at last awakening from a painful dream soon found rest of mind again he had questioned himself in the acute anxiety which he felt with regard to his sensations had he not reached lourdes that morning possessed by a genuine desire to believe an idea that he was indeed again beginning to believe even as he had done in the docile days of childhood when his mother had made him join his hands and taught him to fear god yet as soon as he had found himself at the grotto the idolatry of the worship the violence of the display of faith the onslaught upon human reason had so disturbed him that he had almost fainted what would become of him then could he not even try to contend against his doubts by examining things and convincing himself of their truth thus turning his journey to profit at all events he had made a bad beginning which left him sorely agitated and he indeed needed the environment of those fine trees that limpid rushing water that calm cool avenue to recover from the shock still pondering he was approaching the end of the pathway when he most unexpectedly met a forgotten friend he had for a few seconds been looking at a tall old gentleman who was coming towards him dressed in a tightly buttoned frock-coat and broad-brimmed hat and he had tried to remember where it was that he had previously beheld that pale face with eagle nose and black and penetrating eyes these he had seen before he felt sure of it but the promenader's long white beard and long curly white hair perplexed him however the other halted also looking extremely astonished though he promptly exclaimed what pierre is it you at lourdes then all at once the young priest recognized dr chassaigne his father's old friend his own friend the man who had cured and consoled him in the terrible physical and mental crisis which had come upon him after his mother's death ah oh, my dear doctor how pleased i am to see you he replied 
they embraced with deep emotion and now in presence of that snowy hair and snowy beard that slow walk that sorrowful demeanour pierre remembered with what unrelenting ferocity misfortune had fallen on that unhappy man and aged him but a few years had gone by and now when they met again he was bowed down by destiny you did not know i suppose that i had remained at lourdes said the doctor it's true that i no longer write to anybody in fact i am no longer among the living i live in the land of the dead tears were gathering in his eyes and emotion made his voice falter as he resumed there come and sit down on that bench yonder it will please me to live the old days afresh with you just for a moment in his turn the young priest felt his sobs choking him he could only murmur ah my dear doctor my old friend i can truly tell you that i pitied you with my whole heart my whole soul dr chassaigne's story was one of disaster the shipwreck of a life he and his daughter marguerite a tall and lovable girl of twenty had gone to cotoret with madame chassaigne the model wife and mother whose state of health had made them somewhat anxious a fortnight had gone by and she seemed much better and was already planning several pleasure trips when one morning she was found dead in her bed her husband and daughter were overwhelmed stupefied by this sudden blow this cruel treachery of death the doctor who belonged to Batres, had a family vault in the lourdes cemetery a vault constructed at his own expense and in which his father and mother already rested he desired therefore that his wife should be interred there in a compartment adjoining that in which he expected soon to lie himself and after the burial he had lingered for a week at lourdes when marguerite who was with him was seized with a great shivering and taking to her bed one evening died two days afterwards without her distracted father being able to form any exact notion of the illness which had carried her off and thus it was not himself but his daughter lately radiant with beauty and health in the very flower of her youth who was laid in the vacant compartment by the mother's side the man who had been so happy so worshipped by his two helpmates whose heart had been kept so warm by the love of two dear creatures all his own was now nothing more than an old miserable stammering lost being who shivered in his icy solitude all the joy of his life had departed he envied the men who broke stones upon the highways when he saw their barefooted wives and daughters bring them their dinners at noontide and he had refused to leave lourdes he had relinquished everything his studies his practice in paris in order that he might live near the tomb in which his wife and his daughter slept the eternal sleep ah my old friend repeated pierre how i pitied you how frightful must have been your grief but why did you not rely a little on those who love you why did you shut yourself up here with your sorrow the doctor made a gesture which embraced the horizon i could not go away they are here and keep me with them it is all over i am merely waiting till my time comes to join them again then silence fell birds were fluttering among the shrubs on the bank behind them and in front they heard the loud murmur of the gav the sun rays were falling more heavily in the slow golden dust upon the hillsides but on that retired bench under the beautiful trees the coolness was still delightful and although the crowd was but a couple of hundred yards distant they were so to say in a desert for nobody tore himself away from the grotto to stray as far as the spot which they had chosen they talked together for a long time and pierre related under what circumstances he had reached lourdes that morning with monsieur de guersin and his daughter all three forming part of the national pilgrimage then all at once he gave a start of astonishment and exclaimed what 
doctor so you now believe that miracles are possible you good heavens whom i knew as an unbeliever or at least as one altogether indifferent to these matters he was gazing at monsieur chassaigne quite stupefied by something which he had just heard him say of the grotto and bernadette it was amazing coming from a man with so strong a mind a savant of such intelligence whose powerful analytical faculties he had formerly so much admired how was it that a lofty clear mind nourished by experience and method had become so changed as to acknowledge the miraculous cures effected by that divine fountain which the blessed virgin had caused to spurt forth under the pressure of a child's fingers but just think a little my dear doctor he resumed it was you yourself who supplied my father with memoranda about bernadette your little fellow villager as you used to call her and it was you too who spoke to me at such length about her when later on i took a momentary interest in her story in your eyes she was simply an ailing child prone to hallucinations infantile but half conscious of her acts deficient of will-power recollect our chats together my doubts and the healthy reason which you again enabled me to acquire pierre was feeling very moved for was not this the strangest of adventures he a priest who had formerly resigned himself to endeavour to believe had ended by completely losing all faith through intercourse with this same doctor who was then an unbeliever but whom he now found converted conquered by the supernatural whilst he himself was racked by the torture of no longer believing you who would only rely on accurate facts he said you who based everything on observation do you renounce science then chassaigne hitherto quiet with a sorrowful smile playing on his lips now made a violent gesture expressive of sovereign contempt science indeed he exclaimed do i know anything can i accomplish anything you asked me just now what malady it was that killed my poor marguerite but i do not know i whom people think so learned so well armed against death i understood nothing of it and i could do nothing not even prolong my daughter's life for a single hour and my wife whom i found in bed already cold when on the previous evening she had lain down in much better health and quite gay was i even capable of foreseeing what ought to have been done in her case no no for me at all events science has become bankrupt i wish to know nothing i am but a fool and a poor old man he spoke like this in a furious revolt against all his past life of pride and happiness then having become calm again he added and now i only feel a frightful remorse yes a remorse which haunts me and whichever brings me here prowling around the people who are praying it is remorse for not having in the first instance come and humbled myself at that grotto bringing my two dear ones with me they would have knelt there like those women whom you see i should have knelt beside them and perhaps the blessed virgin would have cured and preserved them but fool that i was i only knew how to lose them it is my fault tears were now streaming from his eyes i remember he continued that in my childhood at bartres my mother a peasant woman made me join my hands and implore god's help each morning the prayer she taught me came back to my mind word for word when i again found myself alone as weak as lost as a little child what would you have my friend i joined my hands as in my younger days i felt too wretched too forsaken i had too keen a need of a superhuman help of a divine power which should think and determine for me which should lull me and carry me on with its eternal prescience 
how great at first was the confusion the aberration of my poor brain under the frightful heavy blow which fell upon it i spent a score of nights without being able to sleep thinking that i should surely go mad all sorts of ideas warred within me i passed through periods of revolt when i shook my fist at heaven and then i lapsed into humility entreating god to take me in my turn and it was at last a conviction that there must be a justice a conviction that there must be love which calmed me by restoring me my faith you knew my daughter so tall and strong so beautiful so brimful of life would it not be the most monstrous injustice if for her who had not known life there were nothing beyond the tomb she will live again i am absolutely convinced of it for i still hear her at times she tells me that we shall meet that we shall see one another again oh the dear beings whom one has lost my dear daughter my dear wife to see them once more to live with them elsewhere that is the one hope the one consolation for all the sorrows of this world i have given myself to god since god alone can restore them to me he was shaking with a slight tremor like the weak old man he had become and pierre was at last able to understand and explain the conversion of this savant this man of intellect who growing old had reverted to belief under the influence of sentiment first of all and this he had not previously suspected he discovered a kind of atavism of faith in this pyrenean this son of peasant mountaineers who had been brought up in belief of the legend and whom the legend had again mastered even when fifty years of positive study had rolled over it then too there was human weariness this man to whom science had not brought happiness revolted against science on the day when it seemed to him shallow powerless to prevent him from shedding tears and finally there was discouragement a doubt of all things ending in a need of certainty on the part of this old man whom age had softened and who felt happy at being able to fall asleep in credulity pierre did not protest however he did not jeer for his heart was rent at sight of this stricken sexagenarian with his woeful senility is it not indeed pitiful to see the strongest the clearest minded become mere children again under such blows of fate ah oh, he faintly sighed if i could only suffer enough to be able to silence my reason and kneel yonder and believe in all those fine stories the pale smile which at times still passed over dr chassaigne's lips reappeared on them you mean the miracles said he you are a priest my child and i know what your misfortune is the miracles seem impossible to you but what do you know of them admit that you know nothing and that what to our senses seems impossible is every minute taking place and now we have been talking together for a long time and eleven o'clock will soon strike so that you must return to the grotto however i shall expect you at half-past three when i will take you to the medical verification office where i hope i shall be able to show you some surprising things don't forget at half-past three thereupon he sent him off and remained on the bench alone the heat had yet increased and the distant hills were burning in the furnace-like glow of the sun however he lingered there forgetfully dreaming in the greeny half-light amidst the foliage and listening to the continuous murmur of the garve as if a voice a dear voice from the realms beyond were speaking to him pierre meantime hastened back to marie he was able to join her without much difficulty for the crowd was thinning a good many people already having gone off to dejeuner and on arriving he perceived the girl's father who was quietly seated beside her and who at once wished to explain to him the reason of his long absence 
for more than a couple of hours that morning he had scoured lourdes in all directions applying at twenty hotels in turn without being able to find the smallest closet where they might sleep even the servants rooms were let and you could not have even secured a mattress on which to stretch yourself in some passage however all at once just as he was despairing he had discovered two rooms small ones it is true and just under the roof but in a very good hotel that of the apparitions one of the best patronized in the town the persons who had retained these rooms had just telegraphed that the patient whom they had meant to bring with them was dead briefly it was a piece of rare good luck and seemed to make monsieur de guersin quite gay eleven o'clock was now striking and the woeful procession of sufferers started off again through the sunlit streets and squares when it reached the hospital marie begged her father and pierre to go to the hotel lunch and rest there a while and return to fetch her at two o'clock when the patients would again be conducted to the grotto but when after lunching the two men went up to the rooms which they were to occupy at the hotel of the apparitions monsieur de guersin overcome by fatigue fell so soundly asleep that pierre had not the heart to awaken him what would have been the use of it his presence was not indispensable and so the young priest returned to the hospital alone then the cortege again descended the avenue de la grotte again wended its way over the plateau de la merlasse again crossed the place du rosaire through an ever-growing crowd which shuddered and crossed itself amid all the joyousness of that splendid august day it was now the most glorious hour of a lovely afternoon when marie was again installed in front of the grotto she inquired if her father were coming yes answered pierre he is only taking a little rest she waved her hand as though to say that he was acting rightly and then in a sorely troubled voice she added listen pierre don't take me to the piscina for another hour i am not yet in a state to find favour from heaven i wish to pray to keep on praying after evincing such an ardent desire to come to lourdes terror was agitating her now that the moment for attempting the miracle was at hand in fact she began to relate that she had been unable to eat anything and a girl who overheard her at once approached saying if you feel too weak my dear young lady remember we have some broth here marie looked at her and recognized raymonde several young girls were in this wise employed at the grotto to distribute cups of broth and milk among the sufferers some of them indeed in previous years had displayed so much coquetry in the matter of silk aprons trimmed with lace that a uniform apron of modest linen with a small check pattern blue and white had been imposed on them nevertheless in spite of this enforced simplicity raymonde thanks to her freshness and her active good-natured housewifely air had succeeded in making herself look quite charming you will remember won't you she added you have only to make me a sign and i will serve you marie thanked her saying however that she felt sure she would not be able to take anything and then turning towards the young priest she resumed one hour you must allow me one more hour my friend pierre wished at any rate to remain near her but the entire space was reserved to the sufferers the bearers not being allowed there so he had to retire and caught in the rolling waves of the crowd he found himself carried towards the piscinas where he came upon an extraordinary spectacle which stayed his steps in front of the low buildings where the baths were three by three six for the women and three for the men he perceived under the trees a long stretch of ground enclosed by a rope fastened to the tree trunks and here various sufferers some sitting in their bath chairs and others lying on the mattresses of their litters were drawn up in line waiting to be bathed whilst outside the rope a huge excited throng was ever pressing and surging 
a capuchin erect in the centre of the reserved space was at that moment conducting the prayers aves followed one after the other repeated by the crowd in a loud confused murmur then all at once as madame vincent who pale with agony had long been waiting was admitted to the baths carrying her dear burden her little girl who looked like a waxen image of the child christ the capuchin let himself fall upon his knees with his arms extended and cried aloud lord heal our sick he raised this cry a dozen twenty times with a growing fury and each time the crowd repeated it growing more and more excited at each shout till it sobbed and kissed the ground in a state of frenzy it was like a hurricane of delirium rushing by and laying every head among the dust pierre was utterly distracted by the sob of suffering which arose from the very bowels of these poor folks at first a prayer growing louder and louder then bursting forth like a demand in impatient angry deafening obstinate accents as though to compel the help of heaven lord heal our sick lord heal our sick the shout soared on high incessantly an incident occurred however la grivotte was weeping hot tears because they would not bathe her they say that i'm a consumptive she plaintively exclaimed and that they can't dip consumptives in cold water yet they dipped one this morning i saw her so why won't they dip me i've been wearing myself out for the last half hour in telling them that they are only grieving the blessed virgin for i am going to be cured i feel it i am going to be cured as she was beginning to cause a scandal one of the chaplains of the piscinas approached and endeavoured to calm her they would see what they could do for her by and by said he they would consult the reverend fathers and if she were very good perhaps they would bathe her all the same meantime the cry continued lord heal our sick lord heal our sick and pierre who had just perceived madame vetu also waiting at the piscina entry could no longer turn his eyes away from her hope-tortured face whose eyes were fixed upon the doorway by which the happy ones the elect emerged from the divine presence cured of all their ailments however a sudden increase of the crowd's frenzy a perfect rage of entreaties gave him such a shock as to draw tears from his eyes madame vincent was now coming out again still carrying her little girl in her arms her wretched her fondly loved little girl who had been dipped in a fainting state in the icy water and whose little face but imperfectly wiped was as pale as ever and indeed even more woeful and lifeless the mother was sobbing crucified by this long agony reduced to despair by the refusal of the blessed virgin who had remained insensible to her child's sufferings and yet when madame vetu in her turn entered with the eager passion of a dying woman about to drink the water of life the haunting obstinate cry burst forth again without sign of discouragement or lassitude lord heal our sick lord heal our sick the capuchin had now fallen with his face to the ground and the howling crowd with arms outstretched devoured the soil with its kisses pierre wished to join madame vincent to soothe her with a few kind encouraging words but a fresh string of pilgrims not only prevented him from passing but threw him towards the fountain which another throng besieged there was here quite a range of low buildings a long stone wall with carved coping and it had been necessary to form processions although there were twelve taps from which the water fell into a narrow basin many came hither to fill bottles metal cans and stoneware pitchers to prevent too great a waste of water the tap only acted when a knob was pressed with the hand and thus many weak-handed women lingered there a long time the water dripping on their feet those who had no cans to fill at least came to drink and wash their faces 
pierre noticed one young man who drank seven small glassfuls of water and washed his eyes seven times without wiping them others were drinking out of shells tin goblets and leather cups and he was particularly interested by the sight of elise rouquet who thinking it useless to go to the piscinas to bathe the frightful sore which was eating away her face had contented herself with employing the water of the fountain as a lotion every two hours since her arrival that morning she knelt down threw back her fichu and for a long time applied a handkerchief to her face a handkerchief which she had soaked with the miraculous fluid like a sponge and the crowd around her rushed upon the fountain in such fury that folks no longer noticed her diseased face but washed themselves and drank from the same pipe at which she constantly moistened her handkerchief just then however gerard who passed by dragging monsieur sabatier to the piscinas called to pierre whom he saw unoccupied and asked him to come and help him for it would not be an easy task to move and bathe this helpless victim of ataxia and thus pierre lingered with the sufferer in the men's piscina for nearly half an hour whilst gerard returned to the grotto to fetch another patient these piscinas seemed to the young priest to be very well arranged they were divided into three compartments three baths separated by partitions with steps leading into them in order that one might isolate the patient a linen curtain hung before each entry which was reached through a kind of waiting-room having a paved floor and furnished with a bench and a couple of chairs here the patients undressed and dressed themselves with an awkward haste a nervous kind of shame one man whom pierre found there when he entered was still naked and wrapped himself in the curtain before putting on a bandage with trembling hands another one a consumptive who was frightfully emaciated sat shivering and groaning his livid skin mottled with violet marks however pierre became more interested in brother isidore who was just being removed from one of the baths he had fainted away and for a moment indeed it was thought that he was dead but at last he began moaning again and one's heart filled with pity at the sight of his long lank frame which suffering had withered and which with his diseased hip looked a human remnant on exhibition the two hospitalers who had been bathing him had the greatest difficulty to put on his shirt fearful as they were that if he were suddenly shaken he might expire in their arms you will help me monsieur l'abbé won't you asked another hospitaller as he began to undress monsieur sabatier pierre hastened to give his services and found that the attendant discharging such humble duties was none other than the marquis de salmon roquebert whom monsieur de guersin had pointed out to him on the way from the station to the hospital that morning a man of forty with a large aquiline knightly nose set in a long face the marquis was the last representative of one of the most ancient and illustrious families of france possessing a large fortune a regal mansion in the rue de lille at paris and vast estates in normandy he came to lourdes each year for the three days of the national pilgrimage influenced solely by his benevolent feelings for he had no religious zeal and simply observed the rites of the church because it was customary for noblemen to do so and he obstinately declined any high functions resolved to remain a hospitaller he had that year assumed the duty of bathing the patients exhausting the strength of his arms employing his fingers from morning till night in handling rags and reapplying dressings to sores be careful he said to pierre take off the stockings very slowly just now some flesh came away when they were taking off the things of that poor fellow who was being dressed again over yonder then leaving monsieur sabatier for the moment in order to put on the shoes of the unhappy sufferer whom he alluded to the marquis found the left shoe wet inside some matter had flowed into the fore part of it 
and he had to take the usual medical precautions before putting it on the patient's foot a task which he performed with extreme care and so as not to touch the man's leg into which an ulcer was eating and now he said to pierre as he returned to monsieur sabatier pull down the drawers at the same time as i do so that we may get them off at one pull in addition to the patients and the hospitalers selected for duty at the piscinas the only person in the little dressing-room was a chaplain who kept on repeating paters and aves for not even a momentary pause was allowed in the prayers merely a loose curtain hung before the doorway leading to the open space which the rope enclosed and the ardent clamorous entreaties of the throng were incessantly wafted into the room with the piercing shouts of the capuchin who ever repeated lord heal our sick lord heal our sick a cold light fell from the high windows of the building and constant dampness reigned there with a mouldy smell like that of a cellar dripping with water at last monsieur sabatier was stripped divested of all garments save a little apron which had been fastened about his loins for decency's sake pray don't plunge me said he let me down into the water by degrees in point of fact that cold water quite terrified him he was still wont to relate that he had experienced such a frightful chilling sensation on the first occasion that he had sworn never to begin again according to his account there could be no worse torture than that icy cold and then too as he put it the water was scarcely inviting for through fear lest the output of the source should not suffice the fathers of the grotto only allowed the water of the baths to be changed twice a day and nearly a hundred patients being dipped in the same water it can be imagined what a terrible soup the latter at last became all manner of things were found in it so that it was like a frightful consomme of all ailments a field of cultivation for every kind of poisonous germ a quintessence of the most dreaded contagious diseases the miraculous feature of it all being that men should emerge alive from their immersion in such filth gently gently repeated monsieur sabatier to pierre and the marquis who had taken hold of him under the hips in order to carry him to the bath and he gazed with childlike terror at that thick livid water on which floated so many greasy nauseating patches of scum however his dread of the cold was so great that he preferred the polluted baths of the afternoon since all the bodies that were dipped in the water during the early part of the day ended by slightly warming it we will let you slide down the steps explained the marquis in an undertone and then he instructed pierre to hold the patient with all his strength under the armpits have no fear replied the priest i will not let go monsieur sabatier was then slowly lowered you could now only see his back his poor painful back which swayed and swelled mottled by the rippling of a shiver and when they dipped him his head fell back in a spasm a sound like the cracking of bones was heard and breathing hard he almost stifled the chaplain standing beside the bath had begun calling with renewed fervour lord heal our sick lord heal our sick Monsieur de Salmon Roquebert repeated the cry which the regulations required the hospitalers to raise at each fresh immersion pierre therefore had to imitate his companion and his pitiful feelings at the sight of so much suffering were so intense that he regained some little of his faith it was long indeed since he had prayed like this devoutly wishing that there might be a god in heaven whose omnipotence could assuage the wretchedness of humanity at the end of three or four minutes however when with great difficulty they drew monsieur sabatier livid and shivering out of the bath the young priest fell into deeper more despairing sorrow than ever at beholding how downcast how overwhelmed the sufferer was at having experienced no relief again had he made a futile attempt 
for the seventh time the blessed virgin had not deigned to listen to his prayers he closed his eyes from between the lids of which big tears began to roll while they were dressing him again then pierre recognized little gustave vigneron coming in on his crutch to take his first bath his relatives his father his mother and his aunt madame chaise all three of substantial appearance and exemplary piety had just fallen on their knees at the door whispers ran through the crowd it was said that the gentleman was a functionary of the ministry of finances however while the child was beginning to undress a tumult arose and father fourcard and father Massias, suddenly arriving gave orders to suspend the immersions the great miracle was about to be attempted the extraordinary favour which had been so ardently prayed for since the morning the restoration of the dead man to life the prayers were continuing outside rising in a furious appeal which died away in the sky of that warm summer afternoon two bearers came in with a covered stretcher which they deposited in the middle of the dressing-room baron suil president of the association followed accompanied by berthaud one of its principal officers for the affair was causing a great stir among the whole staff and before anything was done a few words were exchanged in low voices between the gentlemen and the two fathers of the assumption then the latter fell upon their knees with arms extended and began to pray their faces illumined transfigured by their burning desire to see god's omnipotence displayed lord hear us lord grant our prayer monsieur sabatier had just been taken away and the only patient now present was little gustave who had remained on a chair half undressed and forgotten the curtains of the stretcher were raised and the man's corpse appeared already stiff and seemingly reduced and shrunken with large eyes which had obstinately remained wide open it was necessary however to undress the body which was still fully clad and this terrible duty made the bearers momentarily hesitate pierre noticed that the marquis de salmon roquebert who showed such devotion to the living such freedom from all repugnance whenever they were in question had now drawn aside and fallen on his knees as though to avoid the necessity of touching that lifeless corpse and the young priest thereupon followed his example and knelt near him in order to keep countenance father Massias, meanwhile was gradually becoming excited praying in so loud a voice that it drowned that of his superior father fourcard lord restore our brother to us he cried lord do it for thy glory one of the hospitalers had already begun to pull at the man's trousers but his legs were so stiff that the garment would not come off in fact the corpse ought to have been raised up and the other hospitaller who was unbuttoning the dead man's old frock-coat remarked in an undertone that it would be best to cut everything away with a pair of scissors otherwise there would be no end of the job berthaud however rushed up to them after rapidly consulting baron suire as a politician he secretly disapproved of father fourcard's action in making such an attempt only that they could not now do otherwise than carry matters to an issue for the crowd was waiting and had been entreating god on the dead man's behalf ever since the morning the wisest course therefore was to finish with the affair at once showing as much respect as possible for the remains of the deceased in lieu therefore of pulling the corpse about in order to strip it bare berthaud was of opinion that it would be better to dip it into the piscina clad as it was should the man resuscitate it would be easy to procure fresh clothes for him and in the contrary event no harm would have been done this is what he hastily said to the bearers and forthwith he helped them to pass some straps under the man's hips and arms father fourcard had nodded his approval of this course whilst father Massias prayed with increased fervour breathe upon him o lord and he shall be born anew 
restore his soul to him o lord that he may glorify thee making an effort the two hospitallers now raised the man by means of the straps carried him to the bath and slowly lowered him into the water at each moment fearing that he would slip away from their hold pierre although overcome by horror could not do otherwise than look at them and thus he distinctly beheld the immersion of this corpse in its sorry garments which on being wetted clung to the bones outlining the skeleton-like figure of the deceased who floated like a man who has been drowned but the repulsive part of it all was that in spite of the rigor mortis the head fell backward into the water and was submerged by it in vain did the hospitalers try to raise it by pulling the shoulder straps as they made the attempt the man almost sank to the bottom of the bath and how could he have recovered his breath when his mouth was full of water his staring eyes seemingly dying afresh beneath that watery veil then during the three long minutes allowed for the immersion the two fathers of the assumption and the chaplain in a paroxysm of desire and faith strove to compel the intervention of heaven praying in such loud voices that they seemed to choke do thou but look on him o lord and he will live again lord may he rise at thy voice to convert the earth lord thou hast but one word to say and all thy people will acclaim thee at last as though some vessel had broken in his throat father Macias fell groaning and choking on his elbows with only enough strength left him to kiss the flagstones and from without came the clamour of the crowd the ever repeated cry which the capuchin was still leading lord heal our sick lord heal our sick this appeal seemed so singular at that moment that pierre's sufferings were increased he could feel too that the marquis was shuddering beside him and so the relief was general when berteau thoroughly annoyed with the whole business curtly shouted to the hospitallers take him out take him out at once the body was removed from the bath and laid on the stretcher looking like the corpse of a drowned man with its sorry garments clinging to its limbs the water was trickling from the hair and rivulets began falling on either side spreading out in pools on the floor and naturally dead as the man had been dead he remained the others had all risen and stood looking at him amidst a distressing silence then as he was covered up and carried away father fourcade followed the bier leaning on the shoulder of father Macias and dragging his gouty leg the painful weight of which he had momentarily forgotten but he was already recovering his strong serenity and as a hush fell upon the crowd outside he could be heard saying my dear brothers my dear sisters god has not been willing to restore him to us doubtless because in his infinite goodness he has desired to retain him among his elect and that was all there was no further question of the dead man patients were again being brought into the dressing-room the two other baths were already occupied and now little gustave who had watched that terrible scene with his keen inquisitive eyes evincing no sign of terror finished undressing himself his wretched body the body of a scrofulous child appeared with its prominent ribs and projecting spine its limbs so thin that they looked like mere walking-sticks especially was this the case as regards the left one which was withered wasted to the bone and he also had two sores one on the hip and the other in the loins the last a terrible one the skin being eaten away so that you distinctly saw the raw flesh yet he smiled rendered so precocious by his sufferings that although but fifteen years old and looking no more than ten he seemed to be endowed with the reason and philosophy of a grown man the marquis de salmon roquebert who had taken him gently in his arms refused pierre's offer of service thanks but he weighs no more than a bird and don't be frightened my dear little fellow i will do it gently 
oh i am not afraid of cold water monsieur replied the boy you may duck me then he was lowered into the bath in which the dead man had been dipped madame vigneron and madame chaise who were not allowed to enter had remained at the door on their knees whilst the father monsieur vigneron who was admitted into the dressing-room went on making the sign of the cross finding that his services were no longer required pierre now departed the sudden idea that three o'clock must have long since struck and that marie must be waiting for him made him hasten his steps however whilst he was endeavouring to pierce the crowd he saw the girl arrive in her little conveyance dragged along by gerard who had not ceased transporting sufferers to the piscina she had become impatient suddenly filled with the conviction that she was at last in a frame of mind to find grace and at sight of pierre she reproached him saying what my friend did you forget me he could find no answer but watched her as she was taken into the piscina reserved for women and then in mortal sorrow fell upon his knees it was there that he would wait for her humbly kneeling in order that he might take her back to the grotto cured without doubt and singing a hymn of praise since she was certain of it would she not assuredly be cured however it was in vain that he sought for words of prayer in the depths of his distracted being he was still under the blow of all the terrible things that he had beheld worn out with physical fatigue his brain depressed no longer knowing what he saw or what he believed his desperate affection for marie alone remained making him long to humble himself and supplicate in the thought that when little ones really love and entreat the powerful they end by obtaining favours and at last he caught himself repeating the prayers of the crowd in a distressful voice that came from the depths of his being lord heal our sick lord heal our sick ten minutes a quarter of an hour perhaps went by then marie reappeared in her little conveyance her face was very pale and wore an expression of despair her beautiful hair was fastened above her head in a heavy golden coil which the water had not touched and she was not cured the stupor of infinite discouragement hollowed and lengthened her face and she averted her eyes as though to avoid meeting those of the priest who thunderstruck chilled to the heart at last made up his mind to grasp the handle of the little vehicle so as to take the girl back to the grotto and meantime the cry of the faithful who with open arms were kneeling there and kissing the earth again rose with a growing fury excited by the capuchin's shrill voice lord heal our sick heal our sick o lord as pierre was placing marie in position again in front of the grotto an attack of weakness came over her and she almost fainted gerard who was there saw raymond quickly hurry to the spot with a cup of broth and at once they began zealously rivalling each other in their attentions to the ailing girl raymond holding out the cup in a pretty way and assuming the coaxing airs of an expert nurse especially insisted that marie should accept the bouillon and gerard glancing at this portionless girl could not help finding her charming already expert in the business of life and quite ready to manage a household with a firm hand without ceasing to be amiable berteau was no doubt right this was the wife that he gerard needed mademoiselle said he to raymonde shall i raise the young lady a little thank you monsieur i am quite strong enough and besides i will give it her in spoonfuls that will be the better way marie however obstinately preserving her fierce silence as she recovered consciousness refused the broth with a gesture she wished to be left in quietness she did not want anybody to question her and it was only when the others had gone off smiling at one another that she said to pierre in a husky voice has not my father come then 
after hesitating for a moment the priest was obliged to confess the truth i left him sleeping and he cannot have woke up then marie relapsed into her state of languid stupor and dismissed him in his turn with the gesture with which she declined all succour she no longer prayed but remained quite motionless gazing fixedly with her large eyes at the marble virgin the white statue amidst the radiance of the grotto and as four o'clock was now striking pierre with his heart sore went off to the verification office having suddenly remembered the appointment given him by dr chassaigne end of section eight